now for the Black Firehouse Podcast, the only Ghostbusters podcast that discusses props, costumes, sets, and special effects with your hosts, Austin Young and Dan Harshman. You know, it's just occurred to me we really haven't had a completely successful test of this equipment. I blame myself. So do I. Let's get ready. Switch me on. Good morning to all of our listeners out there, and welcome back to Session 8 of the Black Firehouse Podcast. My name, of course, is Dan Harshman. As always, joining me today is my good friend and co-host, partner in crime, uh, obsessive-compulsive brethren, Austin Young. Austin, how are you? I'm here, finally. You're here finally. finally. You're having some technical difficulties. Not te- technical difficulties, just difficulties getting home so that I can record this damn thing. How dare you have a social life? It's not it, It's not podcast. even a social life. It's just like <laughs> having to run errands and then nothing goes the way it's supposed to and then having to readjust my plan and then that doesn't work and you know, you know how it goes sometimes. I do. I do. And and I totally understand. It's been uh it's it's been a crazy week, so um yeah. I'm excited though. Uh I got a new job. Yeah, congratulations. So same same f- thank you. Yeah, same field that I was already in. Um but, you know, more money and working from home. So like, I've been working today. Hmm? Like working from home for the foreseeable future. For forever, actually. Excellent. Yeah, it is a a permanent work from home position with this company because the office is actually in Illinois. Uh, so when they hired me, it was like you you don't have an office to report to. <laughs> you will be permanently working from home. Um, so right now, I've been converting my uh, my my little uh, painting desk in my bedroom into a at-home office, which has been really, really interesting, uh, except for the part where my proton pack tried to take off my big toe today. Um, Ouch. And it was entirely my fault. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Luckily, I, I came away with it with just a little nick, but um, I have the bottom of my thrower hooked onto the pack. And then the pack is sitting on its back, but it's sitting on like a, a rolling stool. And mm-hmm. when I rolled it, I wasn't paying attention and it completely came uncradled and fell. And like Ugh. that aluminum just skimmed <laughs> my big toe. And like hey, you've worked with aluminum pieces, you know how sharp those edges can can become. And when you have something that is it's the gun track and, and the V hook and the bottom plate mm-hmm. of a thrower, it's got some decent weight behind it. Especially, um, you know, I don't like, think enough to. Like, if you're trying to be super screen accurate, a lot of those edges aren't nice and cleaned up. They're just <laughs> none of razor them, None sharp. of them are sanded down. <laughs> they are. They are. <laughs> because this this is uh, not a Ghostbusters 2 setup. So, yeah. <laughs> that went thunk and took a nice little chunk out of the floor. But I was just like, man, that could have been really, really bad. I wasn't even, like, working on anything. I was just moving shit around. You but could have been recording I'm, this episode I'm from a hospital bed right now. I would have done it. And we would have had technical difficulties and had to restart over and over and over again and gotten sucked back into our our hell. 
No, we would have done this live through like Facebook or something on Tuesday if we had to. Oh, that would have been fun. Oh, we should do a live show soon. One day. That's what we should do. We should do a live show for like uh, session 10 because this is session eight. So maybe yeah. if we advertise it, we can do a live show. That would be fun. You want to do now, that? Are we, are we talking live show with uh, with like video and everything or just audio or what? Um, I don't, I don't know. Let's let's let the viewers. I mean, vote. I got. We'll let the viewers vote, and then you can tear your hair out because you don't have a an appropriate backdrop yet. Oh, I'll make an appropriate backdrop. It, it might have weird you'll, stuff like you'll make, you'll make like Mystery Science Theater three thousand robots dressed up as Ghostbusters characters. That's all right, but it'll be it'll be. I mean, my 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 background is is going to end up being my bedroom. So I mean, you know, hey, this is where my wife and I sleep. Yay! My, <laughs> I, I, really, my biggest hurdle with the video is the fact that I don't have a working webcam. So that's why I need to know oh, if we're going to do video, I need to go buy one. <laughs> well, you should buy one because it's in our future plans. And that was the intent was to get one and then, yeah, maybe do some live specials every once in a while. Yeah. Um. Let's see. Uh, so cool prop news, Austin. You're You're kind of involved in the cool prop news that I saw. Am I? Yeah, this Logan Kim uniform. Oh, yeah, that thing. Yeah, that was pretty cool. Oh, oh, that thing. Oh, hey, no worries. I just made a, a, a uniform for the actor who played podcast in Ghostbusters Afterlife. No big deal. Um, <laughs> you know. How'd you get roped into that, man? That's awesome. Uh, Yeah, I don't really... I don't know if I'm really supposed to talk about specifics or whatever, but you know, the opportunity presented itself okay. and, I, and I took it. So, um, fair you know. enough. Craig so Goldberg is, from yes, Half Sum was involved. Okay. Yep. That, that guy definitely has the connections. Yeah. So yeah, we don't, we don't want to go beyond that to, to threaten any kind of, you know, good relations or good favor yeah. or anything like that. So the, the uniform that, that Logan Kim is wearing, is that the one you've been weathering for the past couple of weeks? You've yes, talked about? Like, Excellent. And now did you just weather his or did you weather other ones? Just as well? that one. Um, this, the first one that I've done. So it turned out pretty good, I guess, you know, for a first go. I, I thought it was very successful for your first go. And that was uh, one of the, Carter Industries Nomex flight suits that you have a surplus. Yes, of. unfortunately, I don't have a surplus of khaki ripstop flight suits laying around, so I had to go with the next best option. But <laughs> I do have a surplus of Carter Industries suits. It looks. So. I mean, it looks amazing. Who'd you go for with uh, the patches? Um, well, the only patch that's actually on it is a is a logo patch, and it's a it's a Vankman Calgary patch, and I believe. I don't remember if it's their first or second version. It's one that I've had for a while. Um, it just worked out that I had okay. one like in my possession already so that I could get it done and out the door for the deadline. Um, and then, of course, the name awesome. tag is of just, course... it's hand-painted on. So Now, is it painted or Sharpied on? What did you use to do that? Um, it, it it's came actually, out really sharp. It's actually paint um, because Sharpie would just bleed like crazy and it, it would fade sure. over time. So I wanted something that would be a little bit more permanent. So I went with paint um, and then like heat set the crap out of it just to hopefully keep its vibrance and stuff over time. Because, you know, it's got to be washed at some point. Yeah. Maybe. 
I mean, maybe he puts it in a frame and says, hey, this is cool. I feel like that Logan Kim is young enough that he's got a whole whole career ahead of him, that he's not at the Ernie Hudson point where he wears a uniform to all of his signings. We'll see. But if he was going to wear it to a <laughs> signing, I wanted to make sure that he was going to look good and not wearing a Rothko like Ernie Hudson does. Oh, <laughs> bless his heart. Um, well, yeah, so speaking of patches... Um, I don't know if you saw, but Todd Cook has released a Ghostbusters 2 arm patch. Oh, I've seen it. Todd sends me updates on it and the, the name tags, and they are It's gorgeous. gorgeous. And it I is didn't get absolutely them. gorgeous. I... Why? Why? Because <laughs> I was driving when they went on sale, and when I got stopped, I pulled my phone out, and I went to the cart, and they were all gone. And so I guess I just got to wait for the oh, second batch. Oh, bless your heart. Yeah, I, I was pretty Well, he does out. have I, a second batch e- coming. Yeah, I didn't even get one of the, the legacy GB1 patches either. I'm just, I was just like so... He's got more of those coming too. I know, but it's just like, damn it, I wanted him now. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry, bud. I got two. Well, you can send <laughs> me one then. Mm, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. We'll talk about it. You still have those A&P VS5 frames? That's got to be worth something, right? One patch? (laughs) Maybe if it was screen used. (laughs) I did going into Sony Archives tearing patches off of... uh, Here's the thing. The Todd Cook patches are so good, you could swap them out and nobody would tell the difference. Not at Sony. I could. I probably could. Probably could get into one of uh, what is a second city has one of his jumpsuits. Uh, Harold Ramis's jumpsuit on display. Actually, you know what? Screw it. Just take the whole jumpsuit and we'll swap it out. I got Carter Industry suits out the butt. They, they, won't, they won't even know. They and won't I'll, even. I would know. definitely trade you a um, set of goggle frames for that. <laughs> yeah, I think I might hold on to that at that point. Um, Whatever, that's fine. But uh, let's. Let's get into it. Let's let's talk about our workbench, man, um, and see what's going on there. What is that thing you're doing? It's technical. It's one of our little toys. The proton pack is not a toy. I guess it's right. Austin, don't say Phoebe pack, but what's on your workbench? Uh, Ghostbusters Afterlife pack that uh, is a, technically a Spangler pack, but it is utilized by the character of Phoebe Spangler <laughs> uh, throughout the majority of the film. Uh, but it is also, I, I guess I could, uh, it's a Lucky pack. Lucky uses it at one point, so it's a Lucky pack. Okay, it's a Lucky pack. Okay, sure. we'll switch so it up. That... <laughs> I made a trigger tip, an Afterlife style trigger tip, and I spent over two hours hand cutting and shaping it and i'm still not happy with it dude tell us about that so i saw your photos of it um where did you start with that trigger tip whose trigger tip did that start off as um i have a bunch of like water jet cut trigger tips that i had done up years ago mm-hmm. um, that are just like you know gb1 gb2 style and mm-hmm. I was dumb enough to think I could just take one of those and modify it. But of course not, because it's a completely different shape. And so I pulled up one of those really good close-ups of the tested photos. And Mm -hmm. 
I pulled it up, uh, blew it up to one one scale, drew a template off of that, and then transferred that to just a piece of like whatever quarter inch aluminum or, or whatever the the correct thickness is, and uh, mm-hmm. proceeded to hand cut it out and grind and shape and file and sand for two. <laughs> two hours until I got it to a point where this is pretty close, but it's still not a hundred percent where I'd like it. And it, it's such a small detail. I don't know why I'm obsessing over it. I mean, I do it's cause I'm, that's just what I do, but it's kind of a, I mean, it's kind of a major detail though. I, I wouldn't really consider that to be a minor detail. All the, the pack, the, the proton packs in, in Ghostbusters Afterlife, from from what I can recall, looking at screenshots, aside from the the, the sentry guns, all have that Spengler style crooked trigger tip. Yeah, I, I think we've talked about it before. It's such a weird detail that like they mm-hmm. clearly base the Phoebe pack on the superhero, the superhero, which is mislabeled but then that as detail the Spengler. Is clearly... But that detail right. is very specifically the actual Spengler hero. Um, so right. why, why it's the one detail that got incorporated from the wand, I don't know, but, um, yeah, it seems like they just made up a bunch of that same style and put them on all the packs. So now it's, you know, Ghostbuster fans has a really fantastic, they have two options. They have a machined aluminum and then they have a, uh, a welded together trigger tip and both of yeah. them are gorgeous and I've ordered both of them. Now, this, here's the the question that I would have is how is it getting mounted on? So the the Ghostbusters fans one has a inset um, bolt, you know. Mm-hmm. So the hole that the that the uh, the banjo bolts into has a set screw inside of it that yeah. then you know puts the tension on the acrylic tube so it doesn't move. Uh, but obviously, at that angle. That's that's going to be a really difficult kind of setup to do. Uh, to be honest with you, I was honestly just going to like tension fit it, like glue it. I oh, mean, okay. it's going to be t- so tight around that acrylic tube. I, I don't think it's going to be an issue with it coming off. But I mean, I might run a set screw in it. I don't know. Um, I might glue it. You know, I, I don't know how they did it on the originals, but cl- I mean, the banjo is clearly angled. So, you know, it's like you said, trying to get a set right. screw in at an angle is, it, I mean, you would shatter that tube just trying to drill the hole. So, yeah, I, I don't know. I haven't gotten that far yet. I still have to get it welded together. And then once that's done, <laughs> then I'll worry about how I'm going to drill set screws or whatever, drill my holes into it. Um, hope I don't mess just it up. Just hot glue it. Sure. Why not? Just hot glue it. So, yeah, I won't even weld it. I'll just um, put hot glue welds and paint them silver. Be fine. So I got some fun updates today from uh, Mark Caribaldi, um, oh. who is currently printing out my um, synchronous generator and cyclotron and interior cyclotron kit that he that he uh, that he prints. Um, first of all, so it, it's a collab, I believe, between Mark and uh, uh, Quentin who run um, the 3D Ghostbuster printing page. And and they do a phenomenal job. I really have to hand it to these guys because they've, they, 
themselves have turned my opinion on 3D printing parts kind of around, mostly just because a lot of the stuff that they produced first was very idealized, very straight. And they'd be like, well, what do you think? And I'm like, well, it's missing the wonk. And between them adjusting their prints to actually print out that wonk and their finish styles, I mean, they've really, they're doing a really great job. Yeah, I mean, and uh, the 3D prints, you know, especially with like the consumer grade machines have gotten better. Mm-hmm. You get much better yeah. resolution now, which helps a lot. Um, you know, something that I, I've always kind of noticed about a lot of people that do 3D printing, and it always bugs me, is so many people try to incorporate every detail into the model and then they print it and then they try and clean it up and then they run into things like you know panel lines or really tight areas or Mm -hmm. or raised details or something that's really hard to work around Mm -hmm. and to me it's always been a situation where i think you're better off leaving those small details out and adding them after the fact giving yourself and it's great that you yeah, it's actually great that you mentioned that because that's one of the things that I was talking to Mark about mm-hmm. was that in in the files that they're using, you know, a great example is the cyclotron rings are not on the print of the cyclotron. Yeah, It's a separate part that you add in. So you end up with this nice surface area that you can just take a, you know, a hand sander yeah. to and get any remaining, you know, print lines out of there. And then you come away with a, a spectacularly gorgeous print well and um, another benefit to that too is that you know if you're going for you know like an accurate texture or whatever you know the cyclotron is textured mm-hmm. that the rings are not so you can exactly. lay down your texture and then you can stick your rings on after the fact and you don't have to worry about masking them off and all that um you know and i i, I know it's impractical to leave off like the strips of the boxes and stuff i mean i'm sure it could be done but it can be a hassle but you know, the, the advantage of doing a proton pack and 3D printing it is the fact that, you know, they do have a texture to them. And a lot of the, you know, mm-hmm. you, you want to do some cleanup. You want to try and get rid of the lines as best you can. But if it's not perfect, a lot of that gets hidden with texture and with paint. Um, mm-hmm. And that's, you know, so many of the packs and stuff that I've seen that people have cleaned up and everything. They, I mean, they look phenomenal when they're finished. Um, and, yeah, I mean, the, the 3D printing and stuff's come a long way just in the last you know what five years um and i've seen some amazing 3d printed shells and packs that you know i if you didn't tell me it was 3d printed i would have just thought it was a fiberglass shell for sure and um so that i'm gonna bring us into so that's that's what i'm waiting i'm just kind of in a holding pattern um for for that kit and some good weather i had good weather today but again transition at home gotta gotta get the house ready to pick up work but i i have the next three weeks off um (laughs) to get ready so i i kind of have a if you don't have like four proton packs finished within the next three weeks i'm gonna be so mad at you i mean i'm gonna be mad at mother nature because it's supposed to rain for the rest of the week no you get out you get you get tarps all over the all over the house and space heaters and whatever you got to do to start painting and laying down texture and bondo and everything just do it man. <laughs> i'm you, just you, sitting there you know you're everybody's making, eating dinner and i'm just slathering on bondo filler <laughs> you're making more money you can afford the medical bills later 
<laughs> the, the lung issues and the neurological issues of poisonous fumes. Yeah, it'll be great. It'll be but great. But you'll have four quarterbacks. Um, exactly. That's true. And that, that seems like it's worthwhile. So um, we have a new segment, Austin. And uh, I don't know if you've been taking a look around. I have. But... We're going to go into our new segment, and for now, I'm, I'm just calling it You've Earned It. Sounds good to me. This reminds me of the time you tried to drill a hole through your head. You remember that? That would have worked if you hadn't stopped no. me. Egan, I'm going to take back some of the things I said about you. You've, you've earned it. All right, so new segment, Austin. You've earned it. And uh, we, we announced this last session in which we were scouring for builds that were impressing the hell out of us. And um, so I did some scouring, and I actually found a build, since we were talking about 3D printing, that I wanted to, to go ahead and, and mention. This guy, he's, he's I'm not sure if he's starting off from Q-Prints. A lot of the stuff that he's been showing off have been his own models. And it's uh, a Mr. Michael Brandt. Have you seen yeah. his builds? Yeah, I have. Um, especially of interest being that texture that he got on his Cyclotron. That yeah, you know he he was just using Elmer's glue, and I think we meant to talk about it last session on how how close it was to the actual texture of the proton pack. You know, not not you know, orange peel or truck bed liner or anything like that. He used Elmer's glue and um, I'm going to read his post. This is from February 14th. He just stippled on some Elmer's glue and let it dry. And then he painted it on and, you know, super cheap and easy and a lot of control over it. And that's it. And I'm looking at the photo of it and I'm just like, that is really fucking good looking texture. And it's, so simple that's that's the part that's just like mind-blowing right well it it's so simple but then as you had mentioned you know it's the finish that really brings a pack together all of his stuff is 3d printed yeah and like even when it's so far as because he's doing the he's doing a replica the stance proton pack Mm -hmm. um and he actually like wonked out his cyclotron lenses by, by adding material in there. I mean, he's, he's got an ion arm that, you know, aside from the, the machine bolts is all 3d printed and it doesn't look 3d printed. None of it looks 3d printed. It all looks like aluminum parts put together. Yeah. And it, you know, that's because he's putting the time and the effort into cleaning it up and making it look nice. And, you know, there's nothing wrong if you just want to put in a little effort and call it good, whatever. But like if you with a 3D print, if you really, really take the time to clean it up, it is indistinguishable, you know. Um, well, did, did you did you see his um, his bellow that yeah. he painted up? That thing looks amazing. Nine hours like, ago, he posted it. It, even even the the top surface of like the, the the top silver disc, like there's all these little scratches in it, you know. And I don't know if those are intentional yeah. or if that's left over from the sanding process of smoothing it out, but that adds a little extra layer of like realism. And it just looks phenomenal. It looks like aluminum. It yeah. looks like a real bellow. 
I'm I'm blown away with his paint application. I'm blown away with his attention to detail. Mm-hmm. I'm it, like his builds are just impressive, and uh, he's he's also you know aside from his proton pack, which I'm just I'm super excited to see finish with all the the TLC that he's been putting into it. He's also been um, remodeling out a Ghostbusters Afterlife trap to include like kind of the bigger you know wheels and any kind of dimensional differences there. So, I mean, he's just, he's just pumping out like awesome, awesome work, but I'm blown away by the the pack from what he's shown so far. Yeah. I'm, I'm really psyched to see it's it. It's pretty out of this world. Yeah. So Michael Brandt, you've, you've earned it. it. Whatever that is, it's, it's nothing again. It's just accolades. We're, we're seeing your build man and it's blown us away. So like, please send, keep send us your mailing it's address so cool. and we'll so mail you good. a French bar. And it will show up as an amorphous blob in a crunch, crunch bar wrapper. Just stick it back in the fridge; it'll be fine. <laughs> but it's still already melted. But it'll it'll re it'll recongeal and harden back up. Like all the little crispy bits will be down but in the bottom, but it's fine. But it's not going to recongeal back into the crunch bar. No, shape. but it's still going to be a blob. But it'll be, be a it'll be blob. solid, and he can eat it. Why are we talking about this? It doesn't matter. <laughs> Okay, you know what? I have <laughs> resin copies of a Crunch Bar that are cast in brown resin and everything. We'll send him one of those. Is that better? I'm not holding on to that promise because the whole point of this was just recognition. Yeah, not, I can't uh, promise that either. Not sending out stuff. I'm just, I'm just talking. I yeah, you'll you'll say I'm going to send that out in like six months down the line. They're going to be like, where's my, my Crunch Bar? And you'll be like, oh, who are you? <laughs> I was just about to say, oh, we'll just PayPal you like a buck and you can go buy one at the convenience store, but we probably won't even do that. <laughs> the, the grand prize for getting noticed on the Black Firehouse podcast is is a PayPal dollar. We're going to send it, though, as uh, goods and services. As, uh, goods and services, so they have to pay a fee on that dollar. And you, you, <laughs> you got you to gotta pay it on your taxes, too. Yes, and then assuming like, he we makes don't over... get anything in return, six hundred dollars. Yeah, but if if we don't get anything in return, we'll of course open up a PayPal dispute. <laughs> goods and services, one dollar. <laughs> six months ago, we won our dollar back. This is a struggling podcast. God damn it! <laughs> this, uh, this segment has already gone way downhill. <laughs> I can't wait to do it again. Um, I know. Well, excellent. So, yeah, for for all of our listeners, um, the the you've earned it, it. It's just a way of recognizing some of those really fantastic builds out there. And I know in the future we'll talk more about building um, and certain builds and and you know spirit packs. We'll we'll get into all those things. Um, you don't necessarily have to be, of course, a part of Spengler's nineteen eighty four workbench. Um, you know. Me and Austin here are members of a great deal of the uh, builder and maker forums that are on Facebook, uh, you know, replica props, um, the RPF and GBFans.com and everything. So we are just we're out there looking to see what people are are putting out there and looking for those high quality builds that kind of fit what we're what we're looking for. So I think without further ado. So today we are actually talking about Ghostbusters 2 hand props. 
Um, those are going to be the the small props, maybe not necessarily um, anything that's necessarily built, uh, but there there's definitely some some chances for a few of those in there, such as the Gigameter or the Cud Meter. So without further delay, let's get into our main topic. Listen, you smell something? There's something very important I forgot to tell you. What? I collect spores, molds, and fungus. Why? So, welcome back to the Black Firehouse Podcast. As always, you can find most of the reference items that we're talking about on the Ghostbusters Reference Library over on Facebook.com. If you want to join in the conversation, you can always join us at Spangler's 1984 Workbench. And if you want to like us, we are on Twitter, we're on Instagram, and of course on Facebook itself. And you can always like us on the uh, Apple iPod. Apple Podcasts website, still trying to figure out how to get us on iTunes, uh, Spotify, our RSS feed, and then every Friday our episodes get uploaded onto YouTube. Uh, today we are talking about Ghostbusters 2 hand props, and I'm actually excited. It's it's a different territory. It's not necessarily, you know, jumpsuits, ghost traps, proton packs. These are the kind of the, the small hand props, and I wanted to touch on Ghostbusters 2 first just because I kind of felt that their hand props were a little more interesting in Ghostbusters 2, Austin. What are your thoughts? Yeah, and I, I feel like there there's a few more of them uh, than there is. I, you know, in Ghostbusters 1, I mean, I guess you could consider something like the sniffer as a hand prop. Um, yeah, I would, you know, the the sniffer and... Um, the, the mini rad. The, the UM-79. Yeah, the, the mini rad. Um, and then if you really get into it, I guess you could start talking about, you know, Egon's calculator and, uh, the video cameras and things like that. But I felt like Ghostbusters 2 has the more collectible and noticeable hand props. For sure. Yeah. Um, I think the, the top one that everyone's always after just because it's so bloody noticeable, it's never even actually in their hand. It's on their belts. And that's that's the infamous lifeguard two yeah. um, pass alarm. Yeah, those things and that are so cool. <laughs> they are they're cool, and I I think they're my favorite prop in convention settings because it's the easiest way to find all the other Ghostbusters. Yeah. as long as everybody else has one, assuming assuming <laughs> they're real and they work. Assuming that they're real and they work, and assuming everybody else has one. Uh, but, oh, my God, man, I, I tell you, they're the best thing to clear crowds, especially at a major convention like Dragon Con, mm-hmm. just to get through. I mean, you you hit that, that pass alarm, it is just going to go off, and everybody's going to clear out of the way. <laughs> Nobody's going to know what's happening. Um, I remember so the first the time. Life... Go ahead. Mm-hmm. No, no, the first time. Okay, so this is the first time that I got a real working one. Uh, I believe, geez, I think it was even as far back as, uh, back when ASAP was still around, aside about props. I want to feel, I feel like I got two Mm -hmm. from somebody on there. I don't remember. And they came in the mail and (laughs) for whatever reason, I, this is before I could drive. And I think the mail came and like 
me and my dad were going to go somewhere or something. And so I grabbed the box and I jumped in the car waiting for him to come out. And I, I opened the box and I pull them out and I'm looking at him. Oh, you know, I can't believe that I've got these things. They're so cool. And I turn the knob on one and it starts to go off. <laughs> Worst mistake of my life. You do not want to turn one of those on full blast inside a car. <laughs> Uh, no, especially when your your poor father was well, he he wasn't in the car yet. Uh, so it was just me. I was waiting for oh, him to come God. out, and dude, it scared the crap out of me. And I'm gonna blame <laughs> my you know shitty hearing on on that incident. I think that's a fair assessment. Yeah, um, for sure. I'm gonna I'm gonna blame concerts, but uh, yeah, lifeguard twos are pretty good could second place for to blame there now interestingly enough there's actually from what i know of three variants of the lifeguard two um i used to have a bunch of them at one point i was trying to collect every variant and i think you were as well i yeah so my collection has stopped at the three different kind of main variants which is um one has like a a little indicator light on the front that mm-hmm. flashes when it's going off. And then um, for lack of a better phrase, the speaker grill or whatever on the front is wider on one and then thinner on another, but they're all lifeguard too. So yeah, there's definitely more than three then. Um, okay. I, I, I wish I still had them. I got to a point where I was like, I don't need all these. And I ended up giving away or selling off some of the other variants. So I've only got, I think three, that are like the screen accurate ones. Mm-hmm. But um, there's the one with the indicator light and you're talking about those little like horizontal notches in the sides, right? Yeah. Yes. So there's yeah. ones that are rounded that the ends of them are rounded. You have one that's wider mm-hmm. and you have one that's thinner. I believe the, the one with the thinner lines or the, the thinner openings are what is accurate to Ghostbusters too. But there is also Correct. a that's version. what I understand. Yeah, there's also a version that has the fatter openings, but the they don't have the rounded ends. Mm-hmm. They're triangular. Interesting. And then there's a version that has okay. no uh, horizontal openings at all. It's just the round holes. Yeah. Oh, wow. So my collection is way incomplete. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I've only ever seen the one without the openings, like maybe twice. I don't even know if I still have a picture of one anywhere. Um, I, I that I'm pretty sure that's a lifeguard too. It could be a lifeguard four, but I'm almost positive it's a two. Um, but the the one with the fatter openings with the triangular ends is definitely a lifeguard too because I had a couple of those at one point. <clears throat> Interesting. I I kind of wonder why lifeguard made so many variants of the two, especially because the lifeguard four. Is almost a, a carbon copy. Yeah, I mean, they're identical other than the logo. And they most of the Lifeguard 4s I've seen tend to be, I think, the ones with the fatter openings, but like the rounded ends. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know if the yeah. fatter open. It, and the thing is, too, it, it could be a situation where some of them, they're just strange differences in where they were manufactured. Um, right. To get kind of weird and off topic, but like vintage Star Wars figures. Mm-hmm. You look at them all and like, yeah, essentially they're the same, but depending on what factory they came out of, there's all sorts of weird little differences in the sculpts. 
Yeah, so and I, it, it could be a situation like that where, you know, they all start off as the same initial mold and changes get made mm-hmm. in a factory for some reason. And so, you know, the ones from this factory are this way, the ones from that factory are another way. You know, who knows? Interesting. So the, so it sounds like there's then at least four or five different lifeguard yeah. twos, but the ones that people would be after have the thinner horizontal openings yeah. on them. Um, and of course, there's now replicas of those, so you don't have to to go out of your way to to spend. I think they're rounding about seventy five to a hundred dollars now on the secondary market. Yeah, and it's annoying because they used to be had for you know fifteen twenty bucks a pop. <laughs> the last yeah. like major bunch that I got, I got a lot on eBay. I think it was it was like fifteen or twenty of them for like fifty dollars. <laughs> Oh, yeah, wow. and I I long for those days when we could we could buy things you know like lots of lifeguard twos or lots of MT five hundreds for pennies you know compared sure. to nowadays. Yeah, yeah, especially yeah, even even MT five hundreds. I mean, they were going for a max of thirty bucks maybe three years ago, and they've jumped up into that fifty and seventy five dollars. They, $75 they seem to fluctuate. I've noticed it's like there's these dry spells where you can't really find them. And then somebody somewhere mm-hmm. finds a warehouse full of them, and then eBay gets flooded with them, and they get real cheap again. Um, I wish it was a, hmm. like that with the lifeguard twos, but I'm pretty yeah. sure there's way Absolutely. more MT500s in the world than there are lifeguard twos. Probably, probably. Um, but I, I have to say, as far as Ghostbusters two hand props go, the the lifeguards are by far the most fun and the most noticeable. And um, something, just a brief thing that I want to I want to touch on with these is, I always liked the Rolling Stone cover that had the gray lifeguards on them. Were they grayed out? Were they grayed them out? Yeah, yeah. I I don't know what the decision was, like the reason behind that decision was, but it's so cool looking. And they I have are. a resin one that I painted up gray like that that I would wear with my uniform sometimes. And uh, one of the, I, one of these days, I remember seeing that. And I remember loving it. it. It's a lot like the uh, the blue label yeah. on top of the proton pack, where it's something that it never really existed, but it's still cool and still one of those fun things, like a throwback or a nod to, hey, we used to think this. <laughs> well, even even Ray's um, ecto goggles on that cover, they have they've colored the lenses inside, like the the glass part of the lenses on the inside are like red, and I'm almost positive they're not red at the movie. You know, I don't know the the movie. You can't really tell. Yeah, I mean that's. I guess it's true. I guess you never really get a, a good look at them. That's why I was hoping. And that would be that would be one of those things that would be um, strange for them to recolor. At least with the lifeguards, they recolored them. I think to gray on the Rolling Stone cover, just to make sure that they weren't taking away from the noticeability of the Rolling Stone I guess, yeah. title. You know, just so that it didn't have that yellow pop on the page. So you were still paying attention to the the primary color of, you know, the Rolling Stone. But the, the lenses for the goggles being red, I noticed that too. And, uh, you know, we're going to have to do an episode on Ecto Goggles Absolutely. soon. Because yeah. I think there's a lot of preconceived notions on the Ghostbusters 2 goggles that are just simply not correct. Yeah. Um, 
but it's such a hard prop to research because it really only shows up in the jogger scene. And then the, the lighting is so harsh that it's difficult to pick out any details on them. Yeah. I mean, and all the rest of the time they're hanging from the belt, you know, and good luck getting any kind of discernible detail from that. And that's why I was hoping on the ultimate right. box set, we would have got that deleted scene where Ray actually goes up to the slime wall and inspects the wall with the Gecto goggles that we, you know, we have one still shot of that, but that would have been nice. That would have been a great shot. Great scene to have just any extra footage. of Those um, goggles would be welcome. <laughs> anything where'd they come from? Where did they go? <laughs> um, so other hand props, uh, l- let's go in the, the, the second most fun, hand prop, at least to me, because it's actually a usable kind of thing, mm-hmm. is uh, the realistic sound level mirror. Yeah. I love that thing. Not to be confused with the realistic sound level meter that the ears are used on the Geiga meter, but we're talking <laughs> about the actual sound level meter itself that has the the little graph on it. Yeah, well, those are, that's like a dual microphone thing, I think. Um, it is, yeah. It, but I think it's supposed to plug into a a more robust sound level meter or yeah. something like that. I don't know. I, I'm, I'm not a sound expert. You know, I'm not a recording expert or anything like that. Um, but I love my sound level meter. Yeah. And it's one of the props that actually shows up again on the belt. It has its own kind of little custom pouch in the movie, and, and we can yeah. still see it. Which um, I always have okay. we ever, yeah. Have we ever identified what that pouch was to? No, or, and I was or, just oh. talking with somebody about this the other day. Like it's a frustrating thing because we really don't know if it's custom or if it's some if it's a pouch from something else. Um. Oh yeah, I mean it. It could be. A binoculars case. Yeah, I mean, to me, (laughs) I think what's appealing to me about it is the fact that it's on the belt. And I I don't know, I kind of lean towards maybe it is custom simply because it seems to be designed in such a way that when it's holstered, you still see like the uh, the gauge, the gauge is visible, you know, and it it seems to me like it was (laughs) built specifically to still show the, you know, the visual the visually interesting part of the prop while it's holstered. Right. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it could have been something they I mean, slapped together, I, but I mean, it also could be something else that was modified, you know, I would lean towards something that they just found that worked for the part. Cause I know on my belt, I usually uh, just shove my sound level meter into a Motorola holster. See, I have uh I have a like a vintage, a correct vintage one, but I also have one of the more modern ones that they still sold at Radio Shack, you know, up until, mm-hmm. I don't know, a few years before they closed. Um, and it comes with like a little vinyl pouch, you know, with a flap on it that snaps over. But yeah. what I ended up doing was just sort of folding the bottom over and kind of rolling it up and then stitching it mm-hmm. in place just so it, it just pushed the meter up a little bit. So only about half of the meter would, would holster. And that worked great until I realized just hanging it from the little, the little loopy handle that they had on it, it was, it kept flipping over mm-hmm. and falling out. And so then I was like, well, I'll just, oh, no. I'll, 
I'll fold over the the flap and stitch it down. And that seemed to work. <laughs> but now we have shots of, you know, the real one. And yeah. I don't feel like it would be too hard to, to replicate and, and stitch together. No, it's some kind of, you know, just like nylon that you see like camera cases and stuff made out of. Um, yeah. I don't think it would be hard to, to kind of reverse engineer a pattern for it. I I haven't seen oh, anybody do see. one, what? though. I've never seen somebody make an accurate pouch yet, so somebody's got to be the first to do it. I'm always... I'm surprised at how little attention is ever paid to um, some of the elements on the Ghostbusters 2 belt for being such a complex piece. I don't I don't know if it's people just don't realize how complex it is. The the black belt, I would say, yeah. not not their khaki belts, um, but the the riggers belt that they wear with either the charcoal jumpsuits or in the, the finale of the movie. There's there's a lot of really cool details on those. You know, you have the the lighter backing to them mm-hmm. versus the combination of, you know, three hole nylon material and then seat belt material into a, you know, a D clip. And then you have all the cool fobs hanging off it. You have the lifeguard and a belt gizmo yeah. and, and then a trap holster. It, I mean, they get <laughs> they're pretty damn busy belts. Yeah. Uh, and I, I'm not trying to like toot my own horn or anything. I think, think I was the first person to actually custom make one like fairly accurately back in the day. And I did a, I did a small run of, I don't know, seven or eight of them maybe. And like I did one for me and Ron and Jairus and I don't remember if I ever did one for you or not. (laughs) Um, No, you didn't do one for me. I I got mine from, uh, uh, I think his name was Greg. Okay. Um, he made a really, really fantastic run of them. Um, you know, it doesn't have the correct lighter material on the back. Mine didn't either. Able to see now because I mean, yeah. A, I think I knew it had it at the time, but I just could not find three inch gray webbing at the time. So I just double, right. you know, used double black. Um, but the thing that was the th- the really fun thing about those belts is that if you load them up with all the all the fobs and the key rings and and all the gear you sound like a fucking elf walking around jingling <laughs> and I, re- I i i believe it was megacon like 2010 or something me and ron and jaris were there and mm-hmm. we kind of just we were all wearing our our charcoal gray jumpsuits with the belts and we were kind of like running through the the hallways trying to get into the dealer room or something. All you heard was just like this jingling in unison. And it was, it was weird, but like it was cheesy, but it sounded so cool. Like you sounded important somehow, you know, like it was just, it was awesome. And that's just, it's, it's a little thing, but I always get a kick out of that. Like jingle when you walk with all, all those fobs and shit on there. There's there's a fun sound that if you have a, a full-on Ghostbusters costume that your costume kind of makes. You yeah. Know, just that, you know, it, it, jingle, like, clinking kind of thing. I'm, I'm sure, it, like, Stormtrooper cosplayers get the same feeling. Yeah, you get that clanking and clacking and, and the Ghostbusters sound. It's yeah. very... I don't know. You sound utilitarian or something, like... You sound functional. And I, and I don't know if it's it's either the gear itself or is your spine compressing it on itself. It's, it's probably a little <laughs> bit of both, to be honest. 
<laughs> um, so I love the sound level meter, especially because, you know, they work. They're a sound level meter. Yeah. So it's always kind of fun to, like, break them out at events and, like, turn it on. And, you know, you get the little light going and it's actually picking up sound. But, of course, if you're at an event with, with the public or kids, it's like, oh, there's a ghost. And yeah. Nobody knows what the hell it is. But they love it. Know? But it, it's doing stuff. No, nobody it's knows blinking, what it is. blinking. The numbers change, you know, or the gauge yeah. moves. The gauge moves. Yeah. It yeah. looks cool. And, and I think that's what I always loved about the Ghostbusters uh, hand props is they always had, you know, gauges that could move. Yeah. Um, Some kind of blinky lights or something that, you know, shows you activities going on. So let's talk about the community named Cud Meter. See, it's weird to me to hear people call it the Cud Meter because I've always called it the KUD Meter. Because like, yeah, um, it's only been I, fairly recently I've heard people refer to it as the cud meter. I was like, oh, OK, I guess maybe it should be. I, You know what? Now that you say it, I don't I don't know if anybody's ever come out and said, hey, this is how you pronounce it. To be because... honest with you, I don't remember what KUD stands for. I know it's kitchen utensil, but I don't remember what D stands for. It's it's kitchen utensil detector. detector? OK, so it's the kitchen utensil yeah. detector meter. So should yeah. it just be called the KUD? Because like detector and meter, like aren't they sort of the same thing? Anyway, whatever. It's I mean, a it's a meter of, prop. I mean, even if you well, even if you said device, it still doesn't make sense because then it would be the kitchen utensil device meter. Kitchen utensil dilithium crystal meter. I don't know. Star Trek man. Yeah. Listen, there's Ghostbuster props in Star Trek, but there's not Star Trek props in Ghostbusters. Not yet. Not yet? Not yet. Well, hold on. What's that even mean? Wait a minute. Did the tripod traps show up in TNG before or after 89? After. After? Okay. After. And I mean, technically the Geiger meter started out as a Star Trek II prop. So. Did it? Yeah. It's, I think it's Star Trek II. It's in one of the Star Trek movies. And it doesn't have the, it doesn't have the, oh, the microphone ears on it yet. There's a couple other differences. That stuff got added later. But we'll get to that later. K- yeah, K- we'll get to that later. KUD meter. In, in just a few minutes. Yeah. What is the base for the KUD meter? Again, it's a it's a realistic uh, metal detector. I, the model number, I don't remember off the top of my head, but very common, very easy to find. Um, I believe... Radio Shack did a version of it, too, Well, right? realistic was like a brand that Radio Shack sold, and so a lot of times they either carried the realistic brand or they had their own version of it, mm-hmm. which was just, it was exact, exactly the same identical. It just was branded radio, Shack, radio yeah. Shack on it. I don't remember if the yeah. KUD meter, if the branding is even visible on, on the, Working yeah, I know like the, uh, the sound level meter it's it's visible and it, I believe it is actually a realistic yeah. meter, not a radio shack branded version. Correct. Yeah. Um, and then it has it has the potato mm-hmm. masher. And just like a strainer of some sort, like a round strainer. And a strainer. Like a big yeah. strainer spoon. And then a little a little hapless yeah. LED. It's such a weird prop. And I remember the first time I... Because 
as strange as this may sound for somebody who's detail obsessed as I am, I never really noticed it that much in the movie or paid close attention to it until somebody pointed it out on, again, I think it was like ASAP back in the day. And I'm like, well, that's such a, that's kind of goofy and stupid looking. I don't like that. But then, well, I I came around to it because I started to realize, well, no, that's, that's so Ghostbusters. You know, I mean, Lewis's helmet is made out of a a colander. Of course, like, of course, we're going to (laughs) continue to use kitchen utensils, you know? (laughs) I love that, that line in Ghostbusters Afterlife where Callie's buying paint. (laughs) And he's talking, talking to the shopkeep about Egon. He's like, your dad, he bought some bizarre shit. That is like, that's <laughs> my like, favorite that's... line in the whole movie. <laughs> it's, it's a brilliant line because it's like, yeah, yeah, he yep. would buy some really bizarre shit. I mean, to be honest with you, I feel like that sometimes when I go into a hardware store or Walmart or whatever, I buy the weirdest combination of things. And, you know, every oh, once man, in a while you I, get, like, one of the hardware store employees that is like, well, what are you building? It's like, uh, just, where is it at? You know, like, I don't want to tell you. <laughs> exactly. You wouldn't believe me anyway. Yeah. Uh, I think the, the first time um, it was for her Christmas, my mom had taken the, the parts list from a set of norm plans and went to Home Depot to for Christmas to get me all the stuff off the plans. And uh, yeah, the, the Home Depot person asked her, you know, what are you trying to build? And she's like, well, my son's trying to build a, a nuclear accelerator. <laughs> and they're like, oh, okay. And like just went on with it. And I'm like, but this was, this was like post 9-11. Yeah. <laughs> the guy didn't even blink at the fact that this kid is trying to build a <laughs> a nuclear reactor out of shit he finds it. At Home, home Depot. Depot. <laughs> yeah. I had a guy at home, uh, Ace Hardware, who, God bless his heart. He, he was a younger guy. I, not that much older than I was, I guess. So, and I, I remember going into Home Depot or, or, or to Ace Hardware and I was trying to buy a bunch of stuff for a proton pack I was building. And the guy's like, well, what, are, what are you building? It's like, I'm building a proton pack. An unlicensed nuclear accelerator. He just kind of looks at me. <laughs> he goes, "Okay." I was like, "It's from the Ghostbusters. <laughs> it's, it's a movie prop." And when I told him it was from Ghostbusters, he was like, "Oh, oh my god, that's incredible!" And then he followed me around the store the rest of the time, asking questions. And then every time I went to the hardware store after, he would he'd find me and just start. It was so annoying. <laughs> Oh, bless his heart. He, he finally could have gotten somebody in on, on building Ghostbusters stuff, and you're like, nah, you're annoying. <laughs> hey, I, I shouldn't be that way, but it was just like, I just want to go get my stuff, and I want to leave, dude. Like, I'm trying to build it. I'm not trying to talk about it right now. I, I, I always, you know what, though? You're right. It's a different headspace when you're at the hardware store. Yeah and you're trying to get stuff for a project, because usually when we're at the hardware store, it means that the project is sitting on the workbench at home, Mm -hmm. (laughs) and you forgot something. Or you ran out Um, of something, or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Um, So they essentially just, they took the front off of the metal detector and just jammed the kitchen utensils into that pole. Uh, yeah, from what I can gather, I've never built one. 
Um, I have parts for it, but I've just never built it. But the the main like shaft leading to the the little metal detector part at the end, the base, is just chopped down. I think it's probably like nine or ten inches long. Actually, it's probably shorter mm-hmm. than that. I don't know what I'm talking about. Uh, but yeah, they're like one of them is jammed in, and then the, like the potato masher or the the strainer, it's bent up at like a ninety degree angle, and then the potato masher, I believe, is bent kind of at a weird like it's like a forty five degree angle, but the potato masher already has a bend on it to begin with. Yeah. Anyway, they modified it a little. I'm bit. I'm going to. I'm gonna. They modified it for a, a little bit, but I am going on to the reference library right now. I should have had this already pulled up, but... Uh, I don't remember if there's any real pictures I of didn't. it. Because, I mean, there's no pictures of the prop outside of the few screen grabs in the movie. There has to be. Here we go. He has five photos. Okay. They are all screen grab. No, there's... Uh, well, there's one that says it's from the Fuzzy Math Collection, but that looks to be... I believe a replica. Yeah, and there are some replicas that are I in don't, this folder. I don't because I don't see the LED on the uh, the potato masher. Yeah, and also I'm looking at pictures now. I'm totally wrong. They didn't bend anything on the potato masher. I'm just stupid. No, yeah, you are stupid. We, I love you. Thank you. I'm stupid too, so it's okay. Such a dumb prop. I love this it. is what proof right now that like if anybody ever thought you know we think we're some kind of experts having a Ghostbusters podcast, it's like we're not. <laughs> we, <laughs> we just like to talk about them. <laughs> exactly. That's my favorite thing is just talking about the Ghostbusters yeah. props. It's such um, a simple. It's a stupid prop. It's then, simple. I have no idea why I haven't built mine yet. How about this one? Also, I think this was in Star Trek. It's. Uh, it's labeled as the latent image oh, yeah. sensor. And that I'm pretty sure was in Star Trek. As yeah. Well. That's another one of those modern props pieces. That's just, it's been in everything. It's like mm-hmm. the, the tripod traps. It's, I mean, it's been in commercials and it's been in Star Trek and Sequest. And it was in a random episode of Veronica Mars and like all sorts of stuff. And that's, didn't you you recently identified a part of the I did the sensor. kind of the main handle piece, the white handle part. Um, what is that from? The the item I found it's a Speary, I think it's Speary X ray lamp. I think is what it was called. What the eBay listing was called. Oh my God! And it's like a it, it's a giant light with a like an iris on it, and I guess it's reviewing X rays. I don't, you know, you got me, but I found it completely by accident looking for a Ghostbusters afterlife prop of all things. The, the ghost Egon lamp, right? The little, uh, mercury Mm -hmm. glass shade that I was looking for one of those. Um, I pretty sure I had identified the right one and I wasn't finding one looking specifically for the brand name and all that. So I just kind of broadened my search and just typed in x-ray lamp. And I scrolled through all the listings and, you know, I get down to the very bottom and I think the listing was like two from the bottom. And it was one, it was one of those situations where I kind of, I saw the thumbnail of this piece and then I kind of dismissed it and I started scrolling back up 
and I get all the way almost back to the top and it clicked. Wait a minute. I've seen that before. And I scroll all the way back down and I click on the listing and I'm looking at it and I'm like, I think that's the main frame handle from the latent image sensor. And so, man, I like rush over to the reference library and I'm pulling it up and I'm looking and I'm like, holy fuck, this is the piece. This is the piece. Like I'm freaking out. Oh my God. And so it was, it cost me like 250 bucks. Oh my Which God. Which half of that was just shipping the thing. I mean, it's heavy as shit. Um, but I, right. I bought it and I got it in and I was so happy and I've never done anything with it since. <laughs> well, it's such a, it is a complicated prop. Like the reference library has video of it in action. Yeah. You know, not only does it have like the two aircraft light on the bottom, but mm-hmm. then it the whole thing gyrates back and forth while this piece over it pivots and has three LEDs. But to make it even more complicated is there's this fan heat sink kind of thing in this clear glass dome on top. Yeah. That rotates by quarter every time the main part of the prop rotates again. Like I, it's it's a really, really cool prop. Thankfully, if I recall correctly, it's not functioning in Ghostbusters 2. So you technically just need a static version to be accurate to Ghostbusters 2. But it would be really nice if I ever get around to finishing out, you know, mine now that I have the handle to to make mm-hmm. it function, you know, the way the, the real prop did. Well, you have a lot more pieces you have to accidentally run into on... And, and you know... <laughs> Facebook. I don't know if it happens to anybody else, but a lot of times when I find something or I make a big discovery like that, like suddenly I feel like I can do anything. <laughs> and so and then, then I'm like, nothing. well, fuck, if I found this, I can find all these other pieces in an hour. And I just start Googling <laughs> and I'm like seven hours later, it's, you know, four in the morning and I'm just exhausted. I'm like, what am I doing? <laughs> I mean, that was how I felt after I picked up the, uh, the Valley lab, electrosurgical generator for the uh the proton charger i was like oh man i found this piece this means i can identify everything else on the proton charger (laughs) and i was like yeah nah that was that was just like it's just months ago it's just dumb luck (laughs) is all it is you know for me it was just a situation of i was in the right place at the right time ironically enough looking for another ghostbusters prop on ebay when this thing popped up and i've googled this Spiri x-ray lamp like i've googled the model number and everything i can't find anything about it on the internet i can't find an old manual wow i can't find another picture of another one anything so you know it could be some crazy rare piece it could be something that's super common that just nobody ever puts up for sale online but it's like plentiful and in surplus places, or it could be one of those one of those things that just got thrown away when it wasn't yeah, used I anymore. Mean, you know, and it, the only I was really hoping because when I got it's got this really big base on it, um, and I was really mm-hmm. hoping that I was going to get this thing, and I was going to open it up, and there's going to be more parts for the latent image sensor inside of it. Like everything was yeah, like, be inside. Like, like some of the, it was like, it, it was just pre-built yeah, for Yeah, like you. some <laughs> of the guts would have been inside and I opened it up. I mean, I tore the whole thing down. There was nothing else that was used, but apparently the giant knob on the side is also the same knob on 
one of the amplifiers in Doc Brown's house that Marty messes with at the beginning of Back to the Future. So there you go. It did have another prop on it. Uh, the knobs on the side. Uh, the oh, okay. on the X gotcha. on the X ray gotcha. gotcha. piece that I found. It's got this giant knob with like a little a little skirt thing on it. Interesting. I what do eventually prop, plan. I, I plan to mold the handle and and make some castings. Just because the handle, it's just cast metal, but it is kind of heavy. And to yeah. be honest with you, I want to keep that piece intact as an example of the real item. Like I don't want to, I don't want to sacrifice the only real one that anybody's ever found to making a, a replica. Because by the time it's mm. it's you know it's repainted white and everything, it's not going to matter anyway. Let's let's be honest. We're, we're <laughs> this is one of those things where this is one of those cool props where you have a piece from it, and you're like, yeah, I would I would love to build the rest of this. Well, not, I mean, it's not going to get finished. The only way it's going to get finished is probably if I 3D print the rest of the stuff. And by me saying 3D print it, I mean I have yeah. my buddies model it, and then somebody else print it for me, and then I'll just finish it. That is the correct. Yes, that's the correct way of uh, <laughs> saying that. Yeah. Oh gosh. And then, let's see what else we got. Oh. Got another radiation meter for Ghostbusters 2. The Monitor 4. Um, and this one, yep, the Monitor 4 radiation meter, which still goes for outlandish prices, like yeah. $200. I really want one, but somebody which I, in, in some of the groups had posted one up. They were in the UK, and they posted it up for sale, and I watched it, but I was like, it's just too rich for my blood. Well, especially because, like, I kind of... <laughs> <laughs> I I love having like you know my my mini rad meter from from Ghostbusters and stuff, but I kind of figure like if I'm ever in a situation where that would come in handy, <laughs> I'm probably not too terribly worried about Ghostbuster props anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's uh, um, at least with the the mini rad. Used... Well, at least the mini rad has a lot more screen time well and it was used like in ghostbusters one like while they were ghostbusting essentially right the the monitor four yeah, is whereas just like, the monitor four is yeah it's just only it, in what, the opening scene with egon yeah which lab. you know it's a fun prop for that scene um you, you can walk around and ask people let's see what happens when we take away the puppy take away my dog and i'll i'll hurt you Oh, good. My monitor four is going off the charts. Yeah. <laughs> but no, it's it's one of those, you know, kind of unique. And, you know, I think the other thing that's kind of funny about all these is that these are all real world items that serve a real world function. But within the context of the movie, they're not being used for their intended purpose. The only The only prop I think you could say was used for its intended purpose would maybe be the lifeguard. The lifeguard? Or Except the... for when they all fall down and then it <laughs> never goes off. The lifeguard or the <laughs> uh, the Globoscope. Maybe. But, you know, it's oh, it's, that's... it's one of those situations where it's like, is it being used for its intended purpose or was that item picked specifically for its function where it looks like it's doing something crazy 
and we're just pretending it's some kind of crazy meter, you know? Right. And the Globoscope, that is, uh, that's a hell of a piece. There's always um, some on eBay because they're always like six grand. <laughs> yeah, they're always like five or six. And I just actually pulled up eBay to look. Um, and there, there actually aren't any on eBay right now. The, um, the level meter for it mm-hmm. is on there. And I'm always kind of like weirded out, like how many of the level meters for the Globoscope there are versus actual Globoscopes. Yeah. <laughs> like, I feel like there's not that many Globoscopes to actually warrant this many levels yeah. for that particular camera. But it's a panoramic camera, and it's one of the coolest ones in there. And it took... It was one of the props I would say that people always really wanted to identify just because we get such a good shot of it with Ray, you know, playing with it up on the, the Vigo, the Carpathian yeah. um, piece. But that is one of my dream props that, you know, when I had a, a plethora of, of extra money that I would one day be like, yeah, I'm throwing down $6,000 on a panoramic camera that they probably don't even make film for anymore. Probably not, but you know, somebody's probably got some new old stock film out there that it hopefully has been properly stored. <laughs> you um, know what? There's also some replicas. I know yeah. Shapeforge offers a replica of it that's really well done. Yeah. Um, I know it's his are 3D printed, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I know that uh, Martin can't remember. Bryce does all of his own 3D printing and and files and stuff. He does a great job. Um, I've definitely mentioned it before. I have his uh, real Ghostbusters proton pack and his proton packs always look really, really great as well, but he's done a few other hand props. He's kind of filled in the gaps where I guess like Ben of Kent hasn't done. Mm -hmm. Like I know Ben of Kent did like a sniffer replica and he's, he's done that mini rad replica, which I I'm not in total agreement on the price for it. I don't even... Because I feel like I you can still get a real one. I haven't even looked at the price on them. Yeah, they're... They're they're pricey for, you know, a 3D print, but they're nice, and apparently uh, were also used in Ghostbusters Afterlife. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Well, and... Going back to the Globoscope, so there's the Shapeforge one. Uh, somebody made a, re- a resin cast of it that they cast in, like, the black the black resin. So, you know, oh, nice. you, can put a, you can put a nice chrome paint over the top of it. That is the only thing, the only downside to doing, you know, any kind of replica of it is it's, it's a brushed aluminum finish on the real piece, mm-hmm. which is almost impossible to replicate with any kind of paint job. Yeah. But it is, it's also uh rub and buff. Well, yeah. Rub and buff would work, I guess. Rub and, rub and buff. If you do a really nice sand job on it can come out looking yeah, like brushed true. aluminum. It's just then I always, I always, I've always had terrible luck with rub and buff. It always, I, it gets everywhere. everywhere. And especially for a hand prop like that, where the entire thing is, is covered in it, you know? Yeah. Well, you would have to seal it afterwards. Definitely with a, with a clear coat, which could defeat the purpose. It, it, it may dull it down significantly, but brushed aluminum is not a high polish finish anyway. So no, uh, but it's definitely on my list of 
outlandishly pricey Ghostbusters props. I, it, I mean, it's just get. a cool looking piece. Like, you know, it is the, a cool looking piece. It's very sci-fi, yeah. very like 30 sci-fi kind of thing. It, and it's funny that it's there because it is as far as Ghostbuster aesthetics go, really doesn't match anything yeah, else. Yeah, and to be honest with you, it's strange that it's not a piece that I, I've personally, it, it may have shown up, but I haven't personally ever seen it in anything else. And it's such a bizarre item. And like you said, it's very like 30s, yeah. 50s sci-fi. Like you would think it would have shown up in something else as some kind of crazy, you know, sci-fi hand prop, but I've never seen right. it anywhere else other than that movie, you know, and if it weren't for Ghostbusters 2, I wouldn't even know that they made a, a 360 degree camera like that. Yeah. The, uh, the Maddie collector, the giant, like the two packs they did from Ghostbusters 2 that had, uh, I think it was like Peter and Ray in one two pack and Winston and Egon in another. Mm-hmm. The, they had a, a whole tray full of accessories and they included the glo- the globoscope as one of the accessories for that, which I always thought was really cool because it's such a weird, you know, obscure prop. Yeah. It is a weird, obscure prop. Yeah. But I love it. Absolutely love it. So let's talk about the big add-on. As far as meters, I just don't think that we could dedicate a whole episode to it, but we could dedicate about 20 minutes to it, which is yeah. the Geiger meter. Um, it, it holds a special place in my heart just just based on the fact that it follows the tradition of the PKE mm-hmm. meter and that it's made from a shoe yeah. polisher, <laughs> which is uh, it's a uh, scrub and buffer. Redmond right? scrub and buffer. Yeah. Yep. And then it has uh, the realistic microphone mm-hmm. ears on it, and those those pivot around, and then uh, a digital counter on the front, and then that cool globe with the spinning lights yeah, inside which, of it. You know, it always. I when I think of the Geiger meter, I always think about all of the numerous attempts over the years by various people trying to replicate and. Everybody, you know, going and buying those little just novelty toys of like the the clear globe with the little the the, the, the circus, circus lights, lights. The spinning LEDs on the inside, and everybody trying to u- utilize one of those. And I don't know that I ever saw anybody yeah. successfully implement one of those into theirs. But I mean, even I bought uh, not a full size one. It, it's funny because I was talking about this earlier, actually. Um, Years ago, I found what is essentially a mini version of a Redmond scrub and buffer. It's super tiny. It's like a little portable, like scrubber or buffer or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I have no idea where it is at this point. Um, I actually had two of them at one point, Um, but I always wanted to make like a mini Geigameter out of it. And I remember always like I would run into those like smaller novelty, like circus light toys. And again, I never could figure out how to implement it. But anyway, yeah, it's a really unique prop. And again, like the PKE meter, you know, wasn't built specifically for the movie. It was just a a crazy sci-fi prop that was built for modern props. 
Now, do you think the PKE meter wasn't built for Ghostbusters, or do you think it was built for Ghostbusters and then sold off to modern props? From what I remember reading, it was built back in, I think, the late 70s. But, but it, it wasn't never used, used in anything, I don't think. I think Ghostbusters might have been the first production. I, I'm really rusty on the PKE history, but I believe it was okay. specifically built for modern props. Well, we're gonna have to we're gonna have to do a PKE episode and get oh, Julian yeah. on here. I'm probably completely wrong on that. I have no idea, but I know the Geiger meter was. <laughs> or, or Derek yeah. Osborne would be a fantastic guest mm-hmm. to have, and I know Derek likes listening. So, Derek, you let us know when you're available and what you'd be interested in yeah. talking about, and we'd love to have you Absolutely. on. Absolutely, um, it'd be a lot of fun. It would be a lot of fun. So the the. Giga meter, of course, measures Giga electron volts, which in the Ghostbusters universe is, I guess, what's put off by emotions. Uh, your guess is as good as mine. <laughs> I don't know. I have no idea. <laughs> it puts off um, two point GEVs, but... whatever that is. <laughs> Giga oh, electron right. Volts. Okay, yeah. Duh. Yeah. Which I, but I guess mood slime has its own emotion that it yeah. puts off. Um, you know, like I said, it, it's in one of the Star Trek movies. I believe mm-hmm. it's. Well, it shows up in one of the Turtles shows. Too, no, it's it? it's in a, it's Power in like Rangers a Ninja episode? Turtles like commercial. Um. Okay. I don't remember what what the commercial was specifically, but it was like I, th- I believe it's Ninja Turtles related. Um. Yeah, it shows up in that. I don't remember if it has the the realistic microphone ears on it yet at that point, but like I said, in, in whatever Star Trek movies, and I think it's two, it doesn't have the ears. It's missing. I think it's missing the the LED readout also. It's missing some yeah. other detail. I can't remember what specifically, but yeah, at some point they added the ears. I don't. I've always wondered if those were added specifically for Ghostbusters two. But depending on when, like, that commercial that we're talking about came out, and if it's got the ears on that, you know, who knows? But, um, hmm. and as far as I know, unlike the PKE, there's only one of the Geigometer, and who, you know, I would love to know where its whereabouts are at this point, or if it's even, if it even still exists. Yeah, that is, uh, another one of those. Now, a lot of the, Ghostbuster props. The, the latent image sensor was obviously, I think, sold during um, modern props' liquidation. Yeah. Which I, I would love to know who has that, you know, and if it's a, somebody who's a Ghostbusters fan or they Star Trek Sequest, like, you know. So looking, I, I went ahead and EctoWeb has screen captures from the Ninja Turtles thing and it does have the ears. Okay. And let me see. I'm going to do Star Trek now. Yeah, like I said, I'm pretty sure it's Star Trek 2, but it's been so long. I don't even remember if it has any real major screen time other than just like a couple of shots. It's Star Trek 6. six the there we go. Yeah, so it's way off, but yeah. whatever. I knew it was Star Trek. Way off. And let me see. Um, you know, the, the screen capture, it's, uh, 
it's difficult to tell VHS quality if the ears are on it. I, oh, well, yeah. I know the ears are not 100%. on it in Star Trek. Like that's a hundred percent. They're not on it in the Star Trek. Okay. Movie. Um, I'm, I'm almost positive. It's missing some other major detail. I was thinking it was the, like the little, uh, LCD readout or the, the numerical readout, but, um, I could be wrong. I've been wrong about everything else. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, it definitely could have broken off by that point. That's true. So, Star Trek 6. Wait, is Star Trek 6? Was 1991, man. 1991. I always assumed it was before Ghostbusters 2. So maybe it was made for Ghostbusters 2. I don't know. Telling you, that's I, I. I think most of these props are made for Ghostbusters, maybe with exception to the latent image sensor because it is so. It, I mean, it's so up the alley of what modern props yeah. was doing in that time frame. You know, just crazy cool machines that you know. I know modern props also they were responsible for the the most important machine ever made. Yeah, shows up Star Trek. like you know Star Trek maybe a dozen yeah. times or more. Um, and, and all that is, is this big table wide thing and it has big kind of red tubes that light up and pulse and stuff. They're pretty cool. Um, but as far as Ghostbusters props, I, I always feel like these things first show up in Ghostbusters and then show up in other places. Yeah. I mean, and it, it kind of um, makes you wonder like these props that end up as rental props and that show up in a bunch of stuff, you know, we consider them Ghostbusters props. But if they technically show up in more and have more screen time in Star Trek episodes or whatever, does that mean they're actually Star Trek props? You know, like I, I you know, I would I would say if it was something like a medical tricorder <laughs> that's in every single episode of Star Trek, and then it shows up in Ghostbusters, it'd be a Star Trek yeah. prop. But the Geiger meter, I think, gets a lot more close up screen time in Ghostbusters two than it does in Undiscovered yeah. Country. I would. I'm going to have to go back and torture myself by watching Undiscovered Country. <laughs> for, for three seconds of footage. <laughs> for three seconds of, of it's awful probably footage. probably like um, an hour and ten minutes into the movie. Ugh, gosh. This sounds yeah. painful. But no, the Geiger meters, it's, one of, it's another one of those props that's just like, I want one so bad, but it just seems so intimidating. You know, I have a real scrub and buffer. And I have a casting of a real scrub and buffer, but I don't have like a pre, you know, pre-done shell, like a, like a throwing chicken or whatever. Um, yeah. And it's just, yeah, it's, it just seems intimidating. Like the, the scratch building, you know, like converting a shell into the Geiger meter doesn't really intimidate me. It's the electronics portion of it. You know, like I'm just, I, I know nothing about electronics and nobody makes a kit for them anymore as far as I'm aware. So. Okay, so I found a better image on Spook Central's Facebook for the Geigameter in Undiscovered Country. And I don't know. The face has a lot more features. I don't think we ever get a good enough look at the face in Ghostbusters 2 to really ascertain what precisely is going on on the face okay. of the Geigameter. But mean, yeah. looking at this screen capture from Undiscovered Country, not only does it have the numerical readout, but then it has like two LEDs on either side of that, and then an LED over that as well. 
So hmm. there seems to be a lot more going on with that than than what a lot of the kits or people's replicas do. Well, if it's missing the microphone, and of course, I keep seeing. Well, I, I'm well. That's what makes me wonder: is it a completely different prop that's still based off of a, a Redman? I don't know. I mean, I remember Silent had done a whole breakdown of it when he when he done his. Uh... Well, luckily, Silent props has never been wrong about no, anything so. ever. Of course not. <laughs> yeah, just like us, just like us. Totally right about everything. We know everything. Yeah, that's, that's why nice. I said it was in Star Trek Two, and it's actually Star Trek Six. Yeah, you were. It close. was, you know, in the same franchise at least. Right. Yeah. Exactly. If they ever do a sequel to They Live, I hope that they hire some Ghostbuster guys to make a couple of gigameters to use as updated communication devices. <laughs> That'd be a great. That would be a hysterical throwaway gag. <laughs> That or a couple of answer the call PK meters. <laughs> I like the dude. PKA I meters. love I the PK meter. I'm not sure about how fast the the antennas spin on them, but they're they're. I feel like it's cool. a dangerous prop because if it, if it starts to spin too fast, you're going to whack yourself in the face pretty hard. But I I like. And what happens if it's sitting on a table <laughs> and it starts going off? Does it just like bounce around until like? Maybe. Like they have that shot where they show it and it lights back up, but it's just so precariously placed so that it's big spinning stupid antenna doesn't get interrupted by anything. But I'm like, if you have it laying on a table, it's, it's like the most annoying vibration function on a phone, except it's your PKE meter and it flings itself off a table onto the ground and shatters. Maybe it, maybe, maybe it starts to levitate like a, the, like the, a helicopter not, or a drone. <laughs> It's not as dangerous as the PKE meter and the real Ghostbusters that when they uh, they ran the meter on, I think, the Necronomicon, the same <laughs> blew up in a minor nuclear explosion. I'm just like, that's <laughs> that's that's not what you want your meter to do. <laughs> no, but I mean, you know, I guess if it's the first time they've scanned it, you couldn't know. I guess not. I don't know. We're almost out of time, and we haven't even talked about the uh, slime scoop, which is probably like my favorite hand prop from Ghostbusters 2. The slime scoop. No, we got, listen, we we got some minutes here. Let's talk about that slime scoop. Again, this is another prop that Martin Bryce has replicated on Shapeforge and did a gorgeous job, especially for a prop that there's so little screen time that's Mm -hmm. discernible. Um, but he found, um, you know, some shots of it behind the screens and stuff like that and was able to kind of pick the details out. We know that it has that large fishing reel on the slime scoop. Yeah. Which is some kind of like Australian brand, um, I believe. Yeah. But it is well, such a cool prop. Well, Jack Dowd did it one has first, a, right? You know, the, Jack Dowd did, did one. Did, did one. Yeah, Jack Dowd made one first and I think you can still see his on his website which is uh bloody props. Bloody plastic. Or bloody plastic. Yeah. Bloody that, plastic. That thing um, I, I just remember, you know, the research that went into that and and again scare, staring at screen caps and, and trying to identify all the weird little components and stuff, you know. Um 
Jack Dow did an amazing job of identifying components and got a lot more real components on it, but I have to hand it to Martin. His build yeah. was um, a lot better. It was, yeah. at least visually, you know, but mm -hmm. all of his stuff was 3D printed. So Martin didn't get any of the real world parts, whereas Jack Dow, of course, he's like us. He's trying to source a lot of the, the real world stuff, and he did a great job. Yeah, um, it, and so, what, again, it's one of those Ghostbuster props that's over-engineered for its yeah. own good. It, it's crazy the um, amount of like work that went into such a what should be just a really simple thing. Yeah. yeah so the the arm extends out, and then the cup opens and folds in over in itself, and then you wind it to pull it back in. Yeah. Now, do you think that that the arm extends out by gravity? I mean, it's just a monopod, so I, you know you've got to physically pull it open. I mean, I, I suppose if there were enough weight on the bottom on on the opposite side, yeah, it would probably open with gravity. But I don't think the scoop and all that stuff was. Well, enough. no, I mean, like not the not the scoop opening itself. Like the scoop opening itself, I think is motorized. But how about it extending out? Well, that's what I'm talking about. The arm itself is a monopod. Oh, okay. That you have to physically pull okay, open. Gotcha. Um, like I said, if if there's enough weight on it, it would probably if you you know held it straight down, it, it might open. But um, yeah, I mean, we even see Ray physically pull it open. I always, as a kid... I have to go back and watch that scene now. Yeah, you see him, he just kind of pulls it up. Because they've got those little locking tabs to hold it, uh, to lock it in place, you know, whatever length or to... And then know, he cranks it back closed. And he cranks it back closed. Um, you know, my thing, and something that's always kind of, I guess, stopped me from building one, and it, and it may be a really stupid thing, because they may all look the same, I don't know, or relatively the same. So I'm always like, well, where am I going to find a monopod, a vintage monopod from 1988 that looks right? But you can't even, I mean, it's it's covered by so much shit that like anybody's going to know anyway. But, you know, that's just the way my brain works. It's one of the things that's like tripod traps. Yeah, we can, we can 3D print or scratch build the, the V-ring meter and all the stuff on top and get it really close. But where am I going to find accurate 1980-something tripods? tripods? Do I have to 3D print those? <laughs> oh, God. You, I mean, scratch build it. <sighs> Don't tempt me. I would I would probably attempt it if I really, 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 really wanted to. <laughs> I mean, have you found the tripods for your... Uh, My bunk your cake Phoebe, potato masher thing? Your bunk cake? Your bunk cake meters? No. Uh, but I haven't, I haven't continued looking Womp. either. I've been so distracted by other projects and stuff that I haven't gotten back to that. One day, though, I'll I wish it. we knew more about these things. I wish we knew where they were. Yeah the the slime scoop. There was the miniature version, like the scoop, the arm and the scoop itself were on display at one of the Planet Hollywoods. I think it was was it Florida. Mm -hmm. Years and years ago. But, you know, the full-size prop, like, where the hell is that thing? Yeah. Did it, did it get dismantled or just thrown away at the end of production? Or does somebody have it in their garage so somewhere? Were you even talking about a prop that it may have not even actually opened? It might have just extended out and then drawn back in and that was it. Yeah. 
And then they used a miniature version for the actual close-up of the scoop opening and closing. I believe so, yeah. Or for the insert shot of it, of it dipping into the slime, if nothing else. Right. Which always struck oh, me as a Hollywood weird thing. Trickery. It, it seemed like a weird thing to make a miniature of. Like, why wouldn't you just dip the full-size prop in slime? <laughs> you know? Maybe because they couldn't get that the scoop to open. Yeah, I guess it's true. But it's it's always been one of my favorite uh, props such... from Ghostbusters 2. Uh, I just... It, well, to me, Jarris and Ron did costumes based off of that scene. It is. It's a fantastic prop. Yeah, I mean, I, they were very, like... Loose. Very loose. They weren't, they weren't, like, accurate or anything by any means. They were just something to do for fun. I, we even... Like we bought these like really shitty safety vests from like Lowe's, you know, like while we were there at Megacon in Florida. And uh, I don't oh, even, gosh. I don't remember if Jairus had his hard hat or if we had to buy his hard hat there, but we, <laughs> you know, he's, they've got some kind of labels on Egon's helmet and we didn't know what it said. So we just bought a bunch of those stick on letters and we put Ziggy's jackhammering. 1-800-EGON on the side. <laughs> Which I love. It's like my favorite thing ever. And then Ron, we, you know, we didn't have uh He had a hard hat, but we didn't have a, a light on it. And so we went over to the T-Rex Cafe where they sold little souvenir miners helmets with lights <laughs> on them. And we yanked the light off of the front of that and like super glued it to the front of a full size. You know, I mean, it, that's how loose they were, you know. But we had fun. That's pretty loose. It was really fun. It's a fun costume. Yeah. Uh, well, good. All right. So I think we touched on, we had a nice relaxing conversation, Austin. It was, it's fun to just kind of like shoot the shit about random stuff. I had to shoot the shit. I had to kind of decompress from the excitement and the wear of our, our, uh, you know, repeat sessions there. On Which, the you know, pack. I'm Our glad. next one is a four-part series on the Ecto-1. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I don't know what I, we're I talking about next. We'll figure it out. Um, I don't know. Should we maybe have people vote on it? Because that could be fun. Sure. Why not? We'll... Okay. So we'll, uh, we'll look. You know, we had a lot of fun with, I think, the roundtable questions. Yeah, that was that really fun. I enjoyed that a lot. And I think people enjoyed kind of participating so I... also. Yeah, so I like that kind of participation, especially since we are so kind of community-oriented, mm-hmm. you and I. Um, so we'll leave this up to our listeners, in which we will make a post, um, starting with the release of this episode, on what we should talk about for our next episode. Um, but if they also want to do like a free-form question episode or something like that, we'll, we'll put some yeah. options out there and uh, and leave it up to our listeners. Um, this episode, however, we're, we're going to go ahead, I think, and and wrap it up uh we're talking about you know ghostbusters two fan props again black firehouse podcast uh if you like us feel free to give us some positive reviews over on spotify or on uh the rss feed or on applepodcasts.com i think is what it is because apparently it's not on itunes which i'm really confused about i don't i don't know how any of that works so i got to do a little bit more research Craig, help me. Um, <laughs> we're, we're old. We don't uh, know how to do anything. 
we're old. We don't know how any of this works. <laughs> we can barely record as it took us three weeks to do two episodes. We can we can um, build unlicensed nuclear reactors and accelerators from hardware store parts, but we, we don't know how to work Apple. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Guys, if you want to join in the conversation, uh, you can join us over at Spengler's 1984 Workbench. Uh, big thanks, of course, as always, to the Ghostbusters Reference Library, also on Facebook, for uh, providing most of the reference that we look at during our shows. You can like us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Um, any final thoughts before we sign off there, Austin? Where am I going to find those vintage tripods? If anybody's got a lead on vintage 1980-something tripods that are screen accurate to the tripod traps in Ghostbusters 2, drop me a line. Slide into my DMs. There we go. Perfect. If you can find vintage tripods, <laughs> and uh, we mean that as actual tripods, not old men who consider themselves tripods. Oh, God. Um <laughs> Hey, man, you opened the gate. I had to clarify scratch, so we don't get some weird DMs. Scratch all of that. <laughs> uh, go out there and, and build something. Please, God, don't DM us. <laughs> well, this is Dan Harshman for the Black Firehouse Podcast with... Austin Young. Again, encouraging you to go out and build something. Have a great day, guys. As a duly designated representative of the city... I order you to cease any and all supernatural activity and return forthwith to your place of origin or to the nearest convenient parallel dimension. Okay, so I'll see you later, huh? I'll give you a call. Everything was fine with our system until the power grid was shut off by Dickless here. Two in the box! Ready to go! We be fast and Davey slow! Ray has gone bye-bye, you What have you done, Mike? For whatever reasons, Ray, call it fate, call it love. Call it karma. I believe that everything happens for a reason. I believe that we were destined to get thrown out of this dump. For what purpose? To go into business for ourselves. Boy, the superintendent's gonna be pissed. We're ready to believe you.